0: Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Morning. I want to ask a question this morning, um, and I want to follow on from what Phil was saying two weeks ago, and then Johnny B was um, saying last week, and I want to kind of just take on take on the theme um a little bit further and I want to ask you a question this morning who are you I get asked that question sometimes if, a, if I'm going to a meeting they're kind of you around a big table and, and most of the time you don't know all the people around the table and they say okay I'd like you just to introduce yourself at the start of the meeting so everybody knows who everybody is and I'm kind of like hi I'm Peter I'm a GP in Bakewell, you know, and, uh, and so we kind of like go around the table introducing ourselves and if I asked you a question, um, who are you, the big question is what would you say? So if I asked you who you were, <laughs> what would you say? I have no idea. You've got no <laughs> idea, it's that bad, it's that bad to be put on the spot, okay, Charlotte go on. I'm Charlotte. I work as a school teacher in Baker. Okay. So we 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 say what our name is, that's kind of one of the first things, and sometimes we say something about ourselves, don't we? Hi, I'm Iris, I'm a transport coordinator and I'm a child of God. There you go. So we got a little bit more from Iris. And and I think it, it, it depends kind of what context you're in as to what you might say. If somebody said who are you, um, as they're wanting to find out something about you. So sometimes I would obviously say I'm a doctor, but sometimes I would say, well, I'm the husband of Pamela. I'm the father of, of Chloe and Matthew. Um, I might say I'm a Christian. It does all depend on the context. And we all identify ourselves in different ways. And uh, one of the ways that we often identify ourselves these days is in a picture so we might take a picture of ourselves, and it might be on, like, um, if you've got a Facebook page, you might have a picture of yourself so that people could see. So I took a selfie of myself as I was preparing for this, and um, it, it probably wasn't the most flattering picture, was it? And, um, yeah, if you look around, it's, it's a lot worse if you look that direction. And... Um, Absolutely. I had to work hard on that. And and, um, sometimes you take a picture and it's really bad. Chloe, can you just stand up for me? I want you to show me how it is that you take a selfie because I clearly don't know how to do this. And identifying yourself with your picture is currently a very important thing to be able to do. So, Chloe, stand up for me. How do you take a selfie? Just like put your food. (laughs) <laughs> like. but that was the outcome so you must have to do something more than just hold your phone in front of you what do you have to do? like, do you have to angle it right so angling, you've got these are techniques we need to know if we want to get the right picture so you have to angle your head slightly or maybe your phone what else do you do? get the right light you've got to get the right light so me sitting in the study pointing at the ceiling probably wasn't the best thing okay thank you so next picture is actually one that Chloe did which I think looks a lot more glamorous than mine um, so yeah absolutely so I was, I was impressed by that picture and uh, that says something about who we are now the thing is um, that the world is constantly telling us that we are not good enough It doesn't matter where it comes from, but all the messages we get all the time are, you are not good enough. The TV, you watch shows on the TV, and they show you houses that you're never going to afford. They show you cars that you're never going to have an opportunity to drive. Your social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, continually pops up with the great days out that people you know have had. Their shiny new bicycle, their wonderful new thing, the fantastic food they put on at some event. Worst of all, their amazing children who are just perfect and wonderful and top of everything. And that's the message we get from our friends. If we look at the billboards, they show us beautiful clothes that if only you had a sylph like body, you might be able to slip into. I don't. Friends show us their newly decorated houses, their stylish holiday snaps. Church members, you know, this can be some of the worst. Church members, they they say how they got healed or or how they've been delivered of something that was really, you know, amazingly difficult in their life. And, And you just think, oh my word, I just don't measure up to all of this. Our children tell us that all the kids in their class have 42-inch plasma TVs in their bedrooms and they're allowed to stay out till midnight watching them and they've all got the latest iPhone. How come mine's three generations old? And this kind of... We get bombarded the whole time, but I'm not good enough. You don't measure up because you don't meet the standard that the world is saying. You're bombarded with it, left, right, and center. The other thing is, the world says, you would be better if. And we hear the if all the time. And we think, well, maybe if, then I would be more like I should be, more like I could be. We're told that we need to strive to be better and it starts when we're really young. We're, we're in school. And uh, in school, it kind of really irritates me because they say you're all winners. You know, we get sports day where everybody gets a prize because they're all winners. But actually, that's not the story that school tells you. From day one, you're ranked. And you might be bottom of the class and you might be top of the class. And you're told you need to be at the top. But we can't all be top of the class. But we're told we need to be. That's where we've got to go for. And actually, from that very young age, we're told you've got to be better than you currently are. It doesn't matter whether it's the social media, whether it's your colleagues at work, there's competition. And we're told, strive and you will be better. Now, me um, standing here this morning started um, a while ago. And uh, I asked the question, what do you believe about yourself? And I was sitting there one morning, back in April, and um, I was kind of having a prayer time. And the question that I said to God was, why am I so crap? (laughs) That's what I asked him. I was juggling a load of stuff, it was a bit difficult, things weren't necessarily going my way. And I just said to God, why is it that I... I'm so crap. And I listened and I waited for his answer. And you know, he could have said, yes, you are. Because actually I don't measure up to his standard. But no, his answer was, are you? Over the next kind of half an hour or so, God really spoke to me and asked me loads of questions, one after another, to try and help me get a little bit of perspective on what was going on. And um, I want to ask you some questions. And um, these are the kind of questions that I think we ask ourselves. (coughs) We say things to ourselves like, I am so rubbish. I am so fat. I will never be like that. I am so, so ugly. I will never achieve what I want to achieve. It's never going to happen. I might say to myself, when will I escape from this sin that's plaguing me? When? If only I was like You can insert whichever name you think of. If only I was like them, then it would all be so much better. So as I sat there and God spoke to me, he really helped change my thinking in a really short period of time about what I was thinking about myself. And um, he set me me a challenge that morning. He said, I want you to write down what you've heard and I want you to expand on that and I want you to write a book. I was like, yeah, right. Don't do writing. You know, writing is not my thing. Um, and he said, no, that's what I want you to do. And um, so I I wrote a kind of introduction bit and I sent it to Neil and Phil and I went, what do you think of that? And Neil went, oh, that sounds like a really good book, where do I get that? And I was like, hmm, I haven't written it yet. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I, I showed, showed the family and they were like, yeah, that looks okay, you know. And um, so I'm currently working on a book called Why Am I So Crap? And um, it's a catchy title. Uh, it'll make people pick up the book, and um, so um, I, I sent off my my kind of thing to a publisher uh, that I know of, and uh, I sent them off my kind of idea for the book and uh, waited for the last four months, and last week they said, no way, we're not publishing your book. And um, at that point, um, it's like almost failing an audition, um, you are not going to get what you thought you were going for. And um, the question raises, does that, that make me less of who I am? Does it make me less successful because somebody said, no way, to my idea? Would God love me any more if I actually achieve something that I believe he's challenged me to do? I don't think it does. But actually, in the worldly way of thinking, I've failed. It's over. I've failed because I didn't achieve it. And I don't believe that's true. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, God obviously loves you less because you're prepared to stand at the front of church and say, crap. How could you swear like that in front of all these people? And uh, I want to say, well, Paul did. He he used the same word when he was writing. It's translated in the NIV as rubbish. Um, and uh, he said, I consider all of this rubbish is how it's translated in the NIV. But that's not the word he uses in Greek. And uh, sometimes God wants to get our attention. And sometimes he does it in ways that we wouldn't necessarily expect. So I don't think God loves me any less as a result of what I've said. Now, who in the room is over six foot tall? Could you stand up if you're over six foot tall? So who's who's the tallest person in the room? Neil's the tallest person in the room. So Neil, how tall are you? Six foot six. Anyone taller than six foot six? No? Six foot six is the tallest in the room. Okay. So are there many people taller than Neil? So Chloe saw a guy yesterday. She said he was at least seven foot tall. Sorry, you can sit down. She said he was at least seven foot tall. And I was like, where? I didn't see him. He must have been crouching down or something. I, I used to be 5 foot 10, which is above average. But I've lost an inch because of some back problems, and I'm 5 foot 9, so now I'm average height. <laughs> and 6 foot 6 is considerably taller than average, but it's not actually that tall. I did a little calculation during the week. Did you know there's over 23 million people on this planet who are taller than 6 foot 6. You're really short. <laughs> that, that's more people than live in Greece and Belgium put together. Can you imagine if you went on holiday to Greece and everybody was taller than six foot six? You'd feel really, really small, wouldn't you? And actually, six foot six is a bit taller than average, but it's not that tall, really. And um, sometimes we need to get a bit of perspective, Because a lot of what we do and a lot of the things we have, a lot of the things that we are involved with are really pretty average. And so does that make most of us in this room pretty average, like me, just normal height? Neither one thing or the other, as Spitting Image used to say. Only the old ones will get that one. And the big question is, are you just average? I want to read you something by Francis Chan. This is um, a letter to the church. And um, he writes this Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that you are part of an eternal plan? Seriously, think about this. Your existence didn't begin at conception. You began in the mind of God before the foundation of the earth. That's a long time ago. Meditate on that. Few things will make you feel smaller or bigger. Far from being an accident, you and I are part of a brilliant plan that started before planet earth and continues beyond it. That is why self-depreciation, that saying, I'm so rubbish, um, is as wicked as slandering God's church. We are belittling the creation of something God has planned and crafted. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He knew us before it was made. And he drew up works for us before we were even created. His plans for his church and included you in those plans. This thought should bring tremendous peace to our often stressed souls. The more I think about it, the more honored I feel to be chosen of part of God's eternal plan for the church. That's you. If you know Jesus, you're part of his eternal plan. That's pretty special, isn't it? That makes you not that average. Because God chose you. He thought of you before he planned the universe. He knew what you would be like. And I find that quite mind-blowing. Your true identity... Is in Christ. That's where. You were made to be. You're a child of God. You've been adopted in. To a holy family. You've got a throne in heaven. That is amazing. And when you get your head around that. It must impact the way we live. It must change the very beings of who we are. So that when we're having those days that say, you are really rather rubbish, we can actually lift our heads high and we can say, I know I'm not. I know I'm not because I've been told I'm not. And I've been told by a very trustworthy source. It says this in Romans, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, That means all of you. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as we have our minds renewed, we realize how perfect we are, because actually we're made in the image of God. And where does that leave us? Does it leave us striving harder? I don't believe it should. It should just make us think differently. Last week Julia came up and she gave a word about being in the boat and that actually sometimes we're in the boat and we drift and we go off and we think flip me I'm drifting and I'm not where I should be and we forget that actually Jesus is in the boat with us and we're drifting but actually he's with us and we might think but you're asleep But no, he's with us in the boat, and he's all-powerful. The good times as well as the bad. It says in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation. It doesn't say now there is just a little bit of condemnation because you're a bit rubbish really. It says now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. You're free. You're free in Christ Jesus from the laws of sin and death. You're free. You're free of what the world says about you. You're free not to need those things. You're free to enjoy those things if you're blessed to have them. Because you're free of that meaning something. Because actually your meaning comes from somewhere else when you know Christ. Last week, Johnny B said, God can't love me as much as Neil. Because if he did, he'd have answered my prayers. And we often kind of have this warped sense of what's going on. And we kind of, we judge God, you know. Well, you can't because you haven't done this, therefore you can't be all-powerful this is still happening in my life and therefore I believe this instead and we need to change our thinking whenever those thoughts come up we need to change them I read this this morning this is from Neil Anderson the the guy who did um, the Freedom in Christ course he said the major strategy of Satan is to distort the character of God and the truth of who we are he can't change God And he can't do anything to change our identity and position in Christ. If, however, he can get us to believe a lie, we will live as though our identity in Christ isn't true. And we get caught in this trap, don't we? We get caught in the trap that actually we aren't renewed. That we're actually just a bit second rate. And I know it's not just me. I don't know whether that's me. Johnny B last week also said, you are good enough. You don't deserve God's love, but you've got it anyway. And God is for you, not against you. He is going to finish what he's begun in you. And he was trying to encourage us with some truth some truth about who we are. And the thing is, we listen to these voices that bombard in us, in on us all the time. And the thing is, the world repeatedly says to you, you're not good enough because of this, this, and this. Repeatedly, all the way through every day. All of our encounters, whether it's with our friends and our colleagues, the social media, the TV, the billboards, the everything we come into contact keeps selling you. You're not good enough. If actually you had this, then you might start to be a bit more like what good looks like. And we we get that bombarded all the time. And we need to start to repeatedly say things the other way. Because we need to hear a positive voice. I read this recently. God is the only one who has the authority to tell you who you are. God is the only one. And the thing is, we we listen to other voices all the time. And suddenly they become the authority for our lives. And I want to encourage you today. God is the only one who has that authority to tell you who you really are. So you need to keep hearing what it is that's positive. You need to start to listen to those things that God says about you so how can you hear those right voices well you know when if we read the Bible it tells us who we are when we pray God says to us who we really are as we worship when we come together and worship we forget about all of those other things don't we it's brilliant this morning just kind of let all that go And just focus on who God really is. And recognize that we're his children. And that he loves us. Passionately, he loves us. says, don't give up meeting together. And that's because when we meet together, it helps get a fresh perspective. We need to keep the right company. And you might think, well... If you're saying to us you need to read the Bible more and pray more and worship more and come to church more, well, 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 that's just works, isn't it? No. It's all about understanding the grace of God and putting ourselves in a position where we experience the grace of God more. And I want to experience the more of God's grace in my life. Does doing any of that stuff I was talking about make you a better Christian? No, not really. Will it help you enjoy what God has for you more? Oh, yeah. And I want to enjoy what God's got for me. Because I think he's an amazing father who's got good things. So, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. (coughs) Transformed. That's changed into something we're not. Into something we can be. And we can be transformed in God. By the renewing. Renewing that's made new. Changed. And he wants to change who we are. He wants to change our thinking. And that's where the mind comes in. God's not all about emotion. He wants to change our thinking. And actually as we change our thinking. And we understand who we are in God. We will be transformed I'm going to finish with this, this is from Psalm 139 you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb thank you for making me so wonderfully complex your workmanship is marvellous, oh how well I know that you watched me as I was being formed in the seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb, you saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. King David had never seen an ultrasound scan. He didn't know what was going on in there. But he understood that God knew him to the core. He knew every one of his days. And that's because he'd spent time with God. And as he spent time with him, he understood who he was. And his identity was changed. You think King David, the little bloke who threw the stone... Killed Goliath, yay, good day. Slept with Bathsheba, bad day. And he could have focused on the bad day stuff. I'm an adulterer, I've been a rubbish king, not been leading the way God's told me to lead and the people are going off and doing their own thing. But no, he knew who he was in God and he kept refocusing back to say, I know who I am. I know who God has made me to be. And I'm going to live in that no matter what else is going on. So I want to finish there. And uh, I know that's fairly short. But I want to give an opportunity for us to come back to some worship. Because actually that's where we can refocus. Where we can change our thinking. So if the band are around... I'd really appreciate you coming back. So as the band come back, I just want to encourage you to stand and engage with God. I don't know what those things are that for you are the things that are kind of holding you back Whatever they are, and we've all got them, I want you to get them and I want you to give them to God and say, My feeling is like this. And the thing is, He'll take your feelings and He'll screw them up and chuck them away. Because actually, He wants to give you feelings that are based in the reality that He's got for you. So let's stand and let's worship.